Welcome to Masala PTI with your hosts, Ravi and Arvind. Pardon these Indians as they take you on a unique and wild ride around the world of sports. Welcome to another episode of uh, Masala PTI Boys and Girls. Uh, this is Arvind Srinivasan and we have Ravi with me. Um, uh, what I, I first apologize to the listeners. Uh, we are actually doing this show after uh, about a month and I, yeah, probably more than a month. It's been mostly my fault. Uh, I went to India and I totally underestimated the technological challenges of recording uh, uh, podcast cross-continent. I should have been a little bit more prepared. Uh, Ravi and I got on the phone and got on uh, Skype and tried to record once but didn't go well. So we thought we would uh, reconvene once I uh, get back. So sorry for the long break. Sorry to you as well, Ravi. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, Arvind. And no apologies necessary. It was, uh, I'm sure, a much... Uh, deserved break for you and I figured that uh, with the plethora of uh, sports-related podcasts that abound in the market, it's not like listeners were missing us too much. <laughs> Plus, uh, you know, and also distance makes the heart grow fonder. So hopefully this podcast after uh, coming after a few additional weeks than the usual frequency would uh, elicit uh, more of a response from our audience. Yeah, let's hope they did miss us, huh? And, yeah, yeah. And I, I think we also learned a few things about recording podcasts remotely because both of us kind of travel a lot and it will be, I think, in the future, it will be good for us to, uh, you know, whatever we learned, it will be good for us to implement in the future, whether we go to India or some other continent because uh, we both travel on and off. Anyways, bring me up to speed. What's going on in in the fantasy world? I, I know uh, we have been, I think when I was there, we probably played against each other as well. And I've been keeping up, but it's nothing like being here. So what what's on your mind? Yeah, on the matchup, direct one-on-one matchup between the two of us, I must say that it was so strangely coincidental that in on the same week, we actually played against each other in both the leagues yes. that we are in. And I lost to you in both of them. So, oh, okay. um, so yeah, so it's it's been an interesting fantasy season. I must say that the the number of breakout performances this year, at least in my opinion, has been fewer and far between than in usual years. And I think one of the reasons is has been the number of running back injuries, one of uh, number of top shelf running back injuries. But it just appears that uh, this NFL season and correspondingly the fantasy element of it has been a lot more ho-hum uh, than in years past. What is I, your thought on it? Yeah, I would agree. I think um, I have actually in one of our leagues, as you know, we have a very strict waiver wire policy. And I have uh, had the number one pick. I'm actually even having difficulty using it on anybody. You know, we are at week 10. I guess it's partly good news. That means I'm happy with my team, I guess, to some extent. 
But I'm in week 10 and I still have that number one pick and I'm almost protecting it like, you know, my life savings or something. But one of the reasons to your point, uh, I think, uh, is there has not been a lot of exciting players that have come out of the woodwork uh, for me to go after with that pick. And I agree with that. But that might also be a good segue, Ravi, into what I primarily wanted to talk about in the show because we are convening after a few weeks and uh, you know usually we have some ad drop tips uh, of course people can get that in a lot of uh, you know uh, outlets I thought we would kind of do almost like a catch-up because one of the things that caught my eye was just how many suddenly it's almost in the last three weeks, there's a whole bunch of backup running backs that have become relevant. They are either taking over for injured folks on a short-term basis or a long-term basis in some cases, or they have injected themselves into a RBBC situation where there was none. You know, it's not that we don't have enough RBCC, BC headaches already, but I feel like there is even more. And there's a whole list of running backs that are ad drop, ad, ad, ad worthy, I should say. But then how do you decide when there is just suddenly like 12 mediocre running backs? Which one do you even pick? I, I, I thought we should talk a little bit about that. Yeah, interesting topic actually. And because it kind of is the flip side of what I said earlier, which is the, the sudden rush of injuries to a number of uh, top-shelf running backs. But what that has resulted in is the presentation of opportunity for a lot of backups. And as you said, this year, those backups seem to be uh, not your usual run-of-the-mill perennial backup running back types. It has been uh, running backs who have been drafted highly in recent drafts. So, therefore, there is a there is an aura of expectation around them wherein they're not expected just to be serviceable commodities in the absence of the top running back. People are actually expecting them to take over. Yeah, exactly. Let's let's dive into the list. Um, the first one is kind of a boring name in the sense it's not a, a, a rook, exciting rookie per se, but you might have noticed, uh, listeners might have noticed that Chris Ivory had a great week last weekend. Yeah. And he has been doing good lately what what's your take on him you know chris ivory in my mind is a really good running back who is stuck in a crappy situation and it's a very uh, boring and usually stereotypical uh, excuse for the offensive line to be blamed for a running back's, uh, you know, sudden dip in performance. Mm-hmm. But in the case of the Jaguars, I think it's a little bit of that, but it's a lot more of the quarterback for the Jaguars being absolutely the worst of his kind uh, and not obviously being helped by the previous offensive play calling. So I think Chris Ivory is uh, facing the death knell perfect storm of a number of bad things that have happened to him. Otherwise, I mean, as recently as last year, he looked like a top five, top ten running back for the Jets. So I feel maybe it is the new offensive coordinator who sprung up a few creative plays which helped him 
all of a sudden look like the Chris Ivory of old in the last weekend's game. So I'm hoping actually I've got nothing but uh, positive feelings about Chris Ivory's potential with Jacksonville. Me too. I would definitely uh, have him on uh, on my roster. The only bad thing about Chris Ivory is he was probably drafted in most of the leagues. So he's not... Uh, uh, and probably got dropped along the way in some of the leagues. So that's why he's an add-drop candidate. He's not, um, he's not the exactly a breakout candidate, right? He was probably yeah. drafted, people gave up on him, and now he's getting a second lease in life. And I think he's definitely ahead of Yeldon at this point, right, as a fantasy back. Agreed, agreed. Yeah. Now, the second name in this list is uh, kind of personal to you, uh, Capri Bibbs, who is backing up the guy you're counting on uh, to, you know, to go deep into the playoffs, fantasy playoffs. The Denver uh, uh, backfield is getting a little interesting. What do you think? Yeah, I think and I might have egg on my face in literally two days from now or three days from now after the Sunday's slate of games are over. But I feel this has been... Uh, the utmost uh, uh, misinterpretation of a very ordinary, innocent statement uttered by, you know, a journalist out of Denver. Uh, you know, the whole thing basically started with uh, uh, Kubiak's press conference wherein he said that Capri Bibbs should be seeing more touches. That resulted in this Denver reporter saying that uh, instead of, uh, you know, this past weekend's game where Booker had 46 out of the 55 snaps on the offensive end for Denver. Next weekend onwards, Capri Bibbs should see, uh, or there should be a shift in ratio uh, in terms of number of snaps, which was taken by pretty much all of the fantasy world to mean that Capri Bibbs is going to start or is going to take over the backfield. To me, I mean, it nothing could be further from the truth in this whole scenario. I do think that anyone leave alone, whether it is Capri Bibbs or anyone uh, kind of probably deserves uh, a few additional touches if you have gotten a 69-yard touchdown the previous week. Yeah. But Booker, in my mind, is the clear starter. He's the guy that Elway personally drafted. Capri mm-hmm. Bibbs is one of those uh, always-around journeymen who's going to play special teams, uh, who's going to have uh, some third down, third and 20 type of uh, appearances. And he might take one to the house, but he also returns punts or kickoffs. So in my mind, he's a jack of all trades who's never going to be a three down back. So Booker is a lot closer to being that. So to me, Capri Bibbs is much ado about nothing. Yeah, but the question is, uh, is still worth adding, right? If, If... Well, first of all, if you have Booker, would you have to handcuff him with him? I, I don't think I would, um, unless I have a open roster spot available, I wouldn't be too concerned about that, but some people may do that. Or if you're really hurting for a running back outside, is he uh, better than some of the names we are going to go over? Uh, or is he even worth considering, or would you just stay away from him? I, I feel like, eh, what the heck, he's probably worth a shot. Yeah, so to me, right, in those two scenarios you brought up, Arvind, here's what I think. You know, if it was a situation with Denver and their offense where 
you could actually nurture two running backs for offensive production in a fantasy perspective, like Tevin mm-hmm. Coleman and Devonta Freeman, for example, mm-hmm. then I would say yes. I mean, Capri Bibbs is worth adding on your roster if you don't have Booker because he'll give you an 8 to 10 point floor. I don't think so because I think Denver's offense uh, stinks. Uh, you know, stinks enough not to allow for two serviceable running backs. And if well, I have to choose one, I would choose Booker. Now, in terms of the handcuff, if Booker is lost to injury or for lack of performance or whatever, I feel Juwan Thompson mm-hmm. might end up being a more important true running back in that roster rather than Capri Bibbs. So there is no point holding up or holding a roster spot with Capri Bibbs being your quote-unquote handcuff. I don't think he's handcuffed. Okay. I have to take your word on it because uh, I should probably let people know Ravi is pretty serious about the people on his roster. He hits up uh, <laughs> Denver beat writers and I, I believe there's a guy in Denver that actually responds to Ravi there on a first-name basis. They probably grab a drink whenever Ravi is at, uh, at Denver. So he knows what he's talking about when he comes to uh, players on his roster. He knows where they shop, where they buy groceries, what time <laughs> they go to bed. He knows everything. So, so I, would have, I would have kind of said yes to basically the first of your <laughs> sentences. But, but in any case, I'll go along with it. Yeah. So I have to take your word on it. About the Baltimore, Kenneth Dixon, he, you know, he's, um, he's had some hype on and off. But... That situation was a mess. It started uh, with Justin Forsett, then he got cut. Then Terence West had a few good games. In fact, in one of my leagues, he has been uh, pretty helpful for me, actually, uh, with my injuries, and he has stepped in and produced well. Now he seems to uh, be losing some touches to uh, Dixon, finally, who, who has been hyped since, I think, last year I was really excited for him in his rookie season, I believe. Um, but now, finally, is getting some meaningful touches. Uh, anything you see there? Uh, I think I still would invest in Terence West much more than Dixon, but I want to hear what you think. Yeah, to me, compared to the previous situation that we discussed, I think Dixon may have uh, some standalone value, you know, mm-hmm. notwithstanding Terence West's presence. So to me, I agree with you. I think Terence West still is the one that I want in that backfield. But Dixon uh, has the ability to add value even as a pass-catching back or even as a, uh, you know, in a 40-60 split. Uh, so, and plus, you know, he's been uh, hyped since, as you said, since the beginning of the season as a true three-down back. So, in case something were to happen to West, I think Dixon may have value uh, as an RB2, uh, you know, upside RB3. So to me, Dixon definitely has value as a stash, not just for Terence West owners, but uh, mm-hmm. but for those who don't. Cool. I, I see a little bit of wishful thinking on both our parts. <laughs> you, <laughs> um, you have the starter at, in Denver, so you are hoping complete bits is not anything. And I have Terence West, so... I am a little down on Kenneth Dixon. Maybe it's wishful thinking. But I, you know, kidding aside, I think I agree a little bit with you on Dixon. He probably is higher than Capri Bibbs. I feel like both of them are still long shots in some ways. Uh, 
Yeah, I agree. And you know, and I, I then just to kind of uh, clarify a little point, I actually am in more in agreement with you on that because the only difference that I was trying to uh, state was. Bibbs basically came out of nowhere. Dixon had the hype going for him since the beginning of the season. Yeah. But to your point, you're right. With little to show for it, irrespective of being given enough opportunities. Like, you know, for a long time, it was like, as soon as he comes back, week seven, he's going to take over. Then it was like week nine or ten, he's going to take over. Right. But so far in the last two weeks or three weeks that he's been active, we've seen nothing from him. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Uh, that's not true for the next name, uh, Tim Hightower. He has been surprisingly productive. And actually, I think one of my, uh, my contests last weekend, I got beat by uh, a guy who had Tim Hightower. Um, that's a little bit of a surprise for me because I was one of those people who was high on Mark Ingram. Yeah. Uh, and he has, had a, he has had a few good games, but he has been... Consistent, and now suddenly Tim Hightower is almost uh, splitting carries with him on a 50-50 basis, uh, at least last week, I think. Um, what? Where are you uh, on him? I, he may be the most impressive in this list so far. Maybe even Chris Ivory in terms of uh, at least la- last uh, past production. You know, this one really stuns me, Arvind, and this is not just based on these last two weeks, but inclusive of last year when Hightower basically took over when Ingram got injured. Uh, For some reason, I think, uh, not for some reason, I have a hunch here, I feel truly that Sean Payton has Tim Hightower in his fantasy team because in 2015, until Ingram got injured, there was not one game where he basically had more than 23 carries. As soon as he got injured, Hightower takes over the backfield, has, I think, three out of the four games he had over 20 carries. Mm. This season, Ingram gets benched after his fumble last week. Hightower takes over, gets 28 touches in that game. And even last week, Hightower is the one who actually started the game. Ingram basically spelled him. And then luckily for Ingram and his owners, he had that long 75-yard run, uh, which salvaged his day. And frankly, uh, on an eye test basis, it's clear as day, I feel that Ingram is the better running back. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it just seems like Sean Payton trusts Hightower a lot more. I don't know if it's a fumbling issue, but Ingram is not known to be a fumbler. So, I don't know what's going on. But that is a real... I agree with you. I wouldn't be happy if I was an Ingram owner. Hightower is yeah. a real threat. Yeah, but, you know, for you and, you and I, I think... Uh, we know this guy is talented, right? He used to play for the Cardinals. Yes. And he was pretty productive, um, at least for a stretch there. Uh, so it's good to see him in some ways, but then if you're an Ingram owner, he's, he's becoming a real pain. But if you're not an Ingram owner, or even if you're an Ingram owner, he definitely uh, has a lot of legs rest of the season, I think. He should be added, if at all, available in your league, or he should be retained if you already have him. Um, yeah, I agree. In fact, by the way, just harking back on uh, nostalgia here a little bit because you brought up Hightower and the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. I guess there is some uh, divine link between Hightower and the New Orleans uh, Stadium because if you remember that playoff game where the Cardinals got throttled by the Saints, uh, he ha- he started the game actually with like a 60 or 70-yard touchdown in New Orleans against the Saints. And then obviously the rest of it went south went yeah. south very fast for the cards, but Hightower yeah. seems to do well there. Yeah, and then you and I watched the game together, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 
All right. So the next name, I'm going to throw two names uh, here, uh, both from the Tampa Bay uh, backfield, Peyton Barber and Jacques Roger. How do you even say his first name? Jacques? <laughs> I don't Jacques? know. I just, I think it's Jacques. I, I, have, I have no idea. Oh, yeah. We have, we have known him for a few years now, but I've never learned how to pronounce his name. Uh, so these two guys are pretty much spelling Doug Martin, but they've been spelling, and then Peyton Barber, and then Rogers got injured, and then Barber started getting carries. And if you see your uh, league, you probably see these guys being added and dropped at Nassim all over the place. Now, Doug Martin is back. The way I see this, I think it's time to move away from these two guys. Uh, what do you say? Yeah, I'm thinking, see, as far as uh, team philosophy is concerned, uh, Doug Martin's injury uh, uh, kind of enabled the team to get a sense for what they had in Peyton Barber, mm-hmm. who, you know, I know he was undrafted, but in any ways, recruited by the team onto their uh, you know, roster. Jacquees Rogers, it seemed like, was just a short-term rental policy. Uh, if he was really that good, he wouldn't have been unemployed in the first place. He did very well, but that was, if I'm not wrong, against a pretty soft run defense. Yeah. So, my, my thought is that if anything has come out of all of this, it is that Peyton Barber is the clear handcuff to Doug Martin uh, until Charles Sims comes back and Jacquees Rogers can be forgotten, dropped, whatever. But gotcha. I agree with you. I mean, I think Doug Martin is the guy to own these. Everyone else that's kind of forming the Tampa Bay backfield until then uh, can be left aside. Yeah, so so my point is, especially for people struggling with which of these sudden uh, breakouts they want to add, uh, probably these two names not anymore. Maybe a couple of weeks back, we would have said something else. Yeah, uh, agreed, agreed, hundred percent. Like, and just to put that in specific context, this past uh, week's uh, waiver run. Yeah. If I have, if I had a need for a running back, and if I had a fairly decent waiver slot, I still wouldn't have put a bid on Peyton Barber. Not worth it. Right, right. Uh, cool. Now for the more exciting n- names, the war, the breakouts that you had uh, mentioned earlier. Uh, about Paul Perkins. Um, there is a lot of reports that before it's all said and done, he's going to take over for Rashad Jennings. I don't know if we are there yet, but he's definitely, I think, worth the ad. Um, I know you are big on him too, so uh, tell me why. So yeah, you're you're right. I was going to start with actually what you what you ended with, which is that you can probably gauge that I'm very high on him, given that I used up my waiver slot for the week picking him up. Yeah. Um, and and to me, it's a lot more of the situation there. Again, he's someone who's been drafted by the existing establishment. That's one. Number two, they couldn't do anything but get better compared to what they have right now. Rashad Jennings looks awful. Yeah. Uh, uh, and you know, whoever is his backup seems to fall like nine pins, whether it is Darkwa or Vereen or Bobby Rainey. I mean, you know, come on, who's ever relied on Bobby Rainey in the last five years? So to me, I think Paul Perkins is the guy to own. I still will admit that even when I picked him up, I just picked him up as someone who could be a lottery stash, but I'm not expecting like, you know, a 20 carry 100 yard game from him. That offensive line is probably as bad as any in the league. Uh, And we've again, not seen anything from Paul Perkins that would suggest that he's destined for great things. But 
among what's available he is the one that provides that to and you said it earlier it he provides that breakout candidacy that we are not seeing as much from a bunch of other available candidates right so the next guy is somebody i am high on uh, which is rob uh, kelly from redskins um he gave me a really good week when matt jones was hurt he started and went the entire game now matt jones is supposed to be back but i still think uh it's going to be a little bit of a split situation with kelly playing a bigger and bigger role uh i i he, he, am i even saying his last name right because it has an extra e in it um but he is my uh favorite in this list so far i would definitely put some stock in him and add him um the one yeah yeah no, i mean 100% agreed with you and what you have just said and that i have agreed to has just been substantiated by gruden right i mean he's just officially appointed kelly as his starting running back yeah. uh, and, and and also there seems to but, be but this you know you just say that matt jones will probably feel uh, some touches right well actually you know what that's what i was going to say that there seems to be uh, and i'm just literally reading it as we speak that uh, there seems to be this uh, article which suggests in the washington post that matt jones might actually be a healthy scratch uh-huh. uh, re- reason being that kelly is going to start chris thompson has a defined role as his backup i mean as a third down passing back yeah. and the third running back slot typically is used for someone who can contribute on special teams so where matt jones is not a you know not an option so to your point i think rock kelly is more than a worthwhile okay. add as potentially the permanent starter for the redskins until wow. un- unless or until he's cruiser yeah thank thanks for that update i have not seen the healthy scratch uh, uh, news i mean i have had a eye on this guy since week 1 and i'm glad he gave me like one good week already unfortunately i had to drop him because of our roster damage something so oh, did you i was i didn't know that i thought he was still on your roster no i had to drop him because, and it's a bad decision because i had to pick up d'angelo williams to handcuff uh, oh yes yes and now yes. he is hurt so i would rather have kelly uh, So the next one is another rookie CJ Proces. Uh again he had a lot of hype in the beginning of the season then kind of disappeared now he seems to be getting a few more touches and then Rawls is coming back I really don't know what's going to happen there but um obviously I would rank him at this point uh, probably lower than uh, Perkins definitely lower than Kelly if you're looking to roster but what what do you think yeah you know to me the 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 only thing that is clear about that situation maybe in the next two weeks is that Kristen Michael will not have a role in that backfield you, you know so. Pete, Ca- Pete Carroll seems to be so high on precise mm-hmm. that you know for sure that he will have a role and you know he played the majority of the snaps in the second half this past week weekend and they love thomas rolls and mm. they kind of associate rolls as being more of a marshawn lynch clone christian michael you've seen like you know the offensive coordinator come out and basically criticize him saying that he runs away from tackles and he runs out of bounds and i mean who says that about the starting <laughs> running back and and then bench him in the middle of the game so to me if anything the the, the one thing that's clear to me is that christian michael will cease to be an option in that backfield wow you're 
you're low, much lower on Christian Michael than I am, and you know, a corollary of that is obviously you're higher on ProSize than I am, because he did have a few weeks, though, to be fair to Michael, right? Yes. He did have a few, I mean, few good weeks, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. And and that's what, and I think it's one of those things which, I mean, you know, so there are things, it seems like that go, quote-unquote, between the lines, right, in, in, in uh, proverbial speak, that uh, if you look at the, you know, the, the stats, it seems like Christian Michael has been a tier one running back in yeah. my eyes and yours as well. But for some reason, they're just not willing to commit to him. Yeah. Mm, interesting. I, I still think it, I, my fear, if I were to add this guy or maybe even pick up Rawls now that he's back. He was obviously drafted everywhere and probably dropped in most places. It would be like it would become like a three-headed uh, mess, right? But you seem to think it is will be primarily a two-headed mess, which is much better. In that case, obviously, you should, you know, look at cross-size and Rawls pretty closely. Um, yeah, and you know this. And sorry to kind of go off on a little bit of a tangent, Arvind. But in our first podcast, one thing that you and I discussed was draft strategy, right? And among there was a huge popular notion around not going running back in the early rounds. To yeah. me, what we are discussing now is the ultimate horror of doing that, which is not to pick running backs early. Because to me, the 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 that feeling of nervousness or uh, doubt as to which of these guys in a particular backfield is going to start or is going to play more yeah. is more nerve-wracking than picking a wide receiver off of the waiver stream. So That's I want true. the bell cow running back as at least my number one, potentially the number two as well. And then I'm willing to stream pretty much every other position. That's true. That's a good point. So the difference really is a receiver who is talented or who is Yes, uh, breakout potential, right? You can slide him in, and he's going. You can you can get production out of him much easier than a running back because there's only one. Yes. Uh, in a three, you could have a three receiver set, and you suddenly find a good receiver. You just put him in there, right, somewhere. Whereas with a running back, you get into this whole thing of oh, does he start over the other guy? Who get the touches and so on and so forth. Essentially, there's only one ball for the running back, right? In exactly. In receiver, even though there's only one ball, there are three slots where you can put them in. Maybe that is the difference. So you have to explicitly bench one guy and start the other guy if you're a coach of an NFL team. And sometimes those decisions take a long time, especially if the incumbent starter is expensive or you paid him a lot of money and so on and so forth. You could still have a talented guy like Precise and not get enough touches. Exactly. Uh, whereas exactly. For a receiver, it feels like it's easier to slide them in if they are uh, if they show any kind of promise. So that's that. Now the last name in my list, another rookie. Uh, by the way, the last few names are all rookies, which is I, I guess what you pointed out at the beginning of the show. Uh, Dwayne Washington. Uh, I. I was excited about him a few weeks back, not anymore. Um, that's that. I don't, I don't think there's a lot there. What do you think? Yeah, same here. I mean, I think that's a very blah name now. He was uh, a media darling, I guess, four or five weeks ago. Uh, but, uh, you know, but again, he, I, he came in, didn't do much, then got injured, and then came back, and then 
I haven't even figured out or I haven't even uh, checked up on what he's done. And obviously, he's not done much because it didn't make headlines. So, right. Dwayne Washington and that Detroit backfield to me is a mess. Yeah. Although, I like Theo Reddick, though. He's yes, yes, yes. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, he's always productive. Well, tell what you want about him. He, he, he makes it happen. Cool. That's my exhaustive list. Um, did I miss anybody? I don't think so. I mean, yeah. I, in fact, uh, I'm just realizing uh, that what you said, uh, you know, is, is such a telling point that the ones that we discussed were kind of pretty boring names. Uh, were the ones, were the names, or were the running backs that have exi- that have been around for a while, and the ones that we ourselves are so excited about are rookies. So that kind of tells you this complete sudden transformation in the perspective around rookie running backs. For the longest time, you always wanted running backs to get baptized in a backup role for a few years before they come to form. Like even Jamal Charles or Priest Holmes, and all of them are, or even Marshawn Lynch is a good example of that. You don't find your Adrian Peterson's running amok in the first year that often. Uh, but this yeah. year, it seems like a, there's more anticipation around rookie running backs than ever before. Yes, yes, I, I would agree. And that's too late in the season, I think. Yeah. It yeah. was a slow start for some of these guys. Anyway, so that's, um, that wraps up our in-depth analysis of these uh, breakout players, I guess, mostly running backs, which I, I, I'm sure listeners will find useful. Um, I had a few other topics on the list, but really we are uh, uh, way past what I thought uh, where we would be in terms of time. So if you don't have any other topic, Ravi, maybe it's time for uh, for Kafai. Yes, let's go for it. Cool. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Go ahead. All right. So my list is I have to give a shout out to Theo Epstein, the Cubs uh president, I guess, of baseball operations. Um, You know, in life, we are all trying to be the best we can be. And for a lot of guys, especially the ones who are uh, already made the money, uh, it's about legacy, right? At some point, it stops being about money and you're looking for legacy. And I can't think of anybody in literally any sports in terms of a front office position who has a better legacy than this guy. This guy has busted the curse in two major markets, Boston <laughs> and now in Chicago. And it took him exactly five years in Chicago. He did what he was hired to do. He did what he wanted to do. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just amazing what this guy has done. And I don't think he has to ever pay for a drink, either in Boston or Chicago the rest of his life. Uh, two major American cities. My second uh, Paka 5 item today is uh, about Derek Carr. Uh, Derek Carr gets a lot of love as a gunslinger. Some people talk about how he's the next Brett Farr and things like that. But, you know, I, was, I saw an interesting article on 538.com. Uh, and obviously, this is the election season and I was browsing the site. Of course, <laughs> looking at the projections and where we ended up, it's not a great time to talk about analytics and 538.com. But anyway, one of the they also cover other things other than election, right? One of the interesting articles I found out that I wanted to recommend to you and our listeners is uh, just look for Derek Carr on 538.com. They made a good uh, analysis on why he's a gunslinger or a next gunslinger, right? I mean, 
people always look at this touchdowns and long balls and some interceptions and say, okay, he's a gunslinger. But they have also looked at how often he wins games late in the fourth quarter. And interestingly, they also they have also taken into account how often he loses games late in the fourth quarter. Uh, just luckily for the Raiders, it's not as often as winning, but still he has screwed up a couple of times, if you remember, last year. And they made a good analysis of this from a statistical standpoint and kind of made a case for why he is the next great gunslinger in the NFL. I thought that was an interesting read. Um, that's a fantastic point. I hadn't thought of it. That's, yeah. that's great. Yeah. He, he can go either way. And as he matures, I'm sure he will be winning more than losing. So that's that. The third point I wanted to make is about the NFL TV ratings. Uh, another shameless plug for my blog. I had written an article about this on uh, my good cynic uh, sports at blogspot.com where, you know, there's a lot of problems suddenly coming out about NFL, especially TV ratings. And I think the product has taken a severe beating, especially Thursday night games. And the parity has also made a lot of these rivalries irrelevant. Uh, they get recycled so often, you know, like Baltimore, Pittsburgh was hot for a few years, not anymore. San Francisco, Seattle was out for a couple of years, not anymore. I and mean, it's just so much churn. And given the uh, election season and everything else going on right now, uh, the ratings are supposedly taking a beating. I, I think this could be a long-term problem for the NFL, something to watch out. Um, another thing that caught my eye is also all of these London and Mexico City games. Uh, there's a Mexico City game for the Raiders, I think, in a couple of weeks. I really don't get those. I, I don't know what... Um, NFL is trying to do that. Uh, do, you, do you have any idea, uh, Ravi, what, what's the game plan there? What's the end game there, having games in London and Mexico City? I'm sure there is some financial reward. I just don't see why it's better than letting these games happen where they should. I, I am completely... I, draw, I am drawing a blank on it as well because my thought is if one looks at it from the lens of just internationalization of a very American sport, mm -hmm. then my simple strategy would be, okay, fine, if I want to do that, let me at least put some of my best teams out there. Whereas what has been happening is pretty much the shittiest of the teams go to London and play a very dull, drab, horribly officiated game. So I have no idea what the plan is. So to me, yes, at a very base level, why do this is in itself a question mark. But even if I assume that to be a mandate that, yes, okay, we need to go to London, we need to globalize the game, then at least let me put up a good show. Why am I putting the crappiest of my offerings out there? Yeah, I, it's just uh, confusing to me. But that's NFL for you. That's also part of the problem, going back to my previous uh, comment and the blog post about NFL's problems. Um, last point, uh, you know, the playoffs is coming here. I sure hope Arizona makes it. Uh, they are kind of outside looking in. Uh, they are coming off by week. They have an easy game against San Francisco this weekend. This, the frustrating part is they should have won against Seattle. They did not. Seattle is not that good. Uh, it just pains me to see the Cardinals 
so far behind Seattle. Do you think they make it, Ravi? Yeah, I mean, this is just me being a homer saying yes, they will. But uh, <laughs> you know, I'm losing faith by the week. Okay. Anyways, that's my five. Uh, your turn. No, really good ones, Sarvind. I mean, in fact, I had something that I wanted to opine on pretty much every one of those. So definitely, some things that uh, we should take offline. Okay. But really good, uh, good set of uh, Paka five points. Thank so you. here's here's my list, and I'll start with the two that are not related to football first, so that I can get done with them fast. The first one of it is staying with the. Uh, you know the homer base. Uh, looking at basketball, the Suns seem to have found a pretty exciting core of young players, uh, and uh, at least the early returns are that yes, they will end up losing a bunch of games, but what's been refreshing is the fact that they are pretty much in every game they've played. Uh, they make things competitive. They score a lot of points. They were, I thought, even kind of close in that game against the Warriors. Uh, and yeah. you know the way they've had a couple of buzzer beaters to beat uh, Portland and New Orleans was exciting. I like I like what's going on. I think they need uh, better coaching, but again, yeah. uh, you know, but uh, the, I think even that can evolve over time with Watson. But uh, Suns look good any as shot, of the moment. What do, you, what do you think? I think so too. Any shot of the playoffs? That's my real thing. Which which I guess is a good sign in that I have. I have elevated my expectation to so even ask the question, but I feel like they're still uh, far off. But you, what do you think? Yeah, I, you know that's the thing. I think it seems like pretty much every game they've been playing has been against an opponent that feels like a playoff contender. So maybe uh, the the you know the, the the competitive space in general is a lot tougher, but. Uh, but it, you know, but that could also mean that Suns have as good of a chance as any of the other middle tier opponents that uh, they're going to compete against. Yeah, but the Lakers are good though. That's, yeah, that's yeah, good that's true. That's true. I mean, good as in they may be in the same bucket. Yeah, I agree. Agree. So my second Paka five point is around uh, the sport of cricket and not exactly about the game itself, but about a movie uh, that came out recently in India called MS Dhoni, which obviously, as the name suggests, is a biographical narrative of uh, the Indian cricket captain. I watched it. It is good. It's not like the best uh, piece of uh, filmmaking that one can witness. But having said that, what is interesting is that it does really do what it advertises, which is showcase points of life uh, or points or incidents from Dhoni's life that are not either known or have been forgotten in his newfound glory over the past 10 years or so. The guy really came from very humble beginnings, uh, kind of literally had to slog through uh, a series of unfortunate incidents, so to speak, uh, to make it where he ultimately ended up being the captain of India and probably the most known uh, cricketer in the world in I would say the last seven to ten years. So pretty impressive uh, in in that sense. Yeah, I heard good things about it too. I should check it out. Yeah, yeah. So now coming to the remaining three points uh, in my Paka five, and each one of these, I must admit, I have a few tentacles. So let me start off with the first one, which is in the sport of the foot uh, in football today, in NFL today. There are a few players that I have absolutely no idea how they are still in the league. So my first of the three NFL-related Paka fives is 
how are these guys still in the NFL? And the first one of which is Case Keenum. Uh, I mean, I don't need to say anything more. He's pretty much the worst thing I've seen play a quarterback. Uh, and I think Brock Osweiler and uh, and uh, Simeon in Denver come as close second and third. But Case Keenum, I think, uh, they, they, I can't wait for the day they get past that experiment. Uh, the second one is Rashad Jennings. Uh, we have spoken about Washington a little bit earlier. Yeah. Uh, but to me, a big reason why, uh, or oh, no, sorry, not Washington, Perkins, but a big reason to me why people are even excited about Perkins is how horrible Jennings has been. And Jennings has never been uh, a top tier running back in the league. I mean, if I remember right, he was a backup in Jacksonville. Then he came to Oakland and was kind of a backup in Oakland and then went to New York and suddenly became a starter. So to me, what resulted in him getting the kind of expectations that people had of him in 2014 onwards, I have no idea. But I think he needs to retire. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was really supposed to be good in Oakland. He was not. So yeah. when he went to the Giants, I pretty much thought he'd be a life, you know, backup for the rest of his life. But he somehow got the starter job and it's not been going great uh, this year. I thought he was a little decent last year yeah uh, yeah he was he was actually i must say that that i think he was pretty uh, uh, decent last year but yeah this year has been a horror show yeah. and then the last uh, few guys on this list as far as why are they in the league includes you know journeyman like anthony fasano now i thought he literally speaking had retired like five years ago yeah. until two weeks back when uh, you know when in one of my other leagues i have delaney walker as my tight end and came to know that he's going to sit out the game and I was wondering who his backup is and out comes the name Anthony Fasano. I was like, I didn't even know this guy existed. So, so, so to me, you know, he's one. Same exact thing goes for Joy Bell. This guy basically seemed to have lost an, an understanding of how to play basketball, I mean, football two years ago, still was struggling through the Detroit games last year. And then this year, even Detroit let him go. Yeah. Which should say something about how bad he is that Detroit let Joy Bell go and he was still able to find, you know, recruiting uh, uh, sh showcases with uh, Chicago and the Jets and the Green Bay Packers and so on and so forth. So he's another one that I feel <laughs> needs to just kind of take some time off. I agree, especially on Fasano. Yeah. Agreed. And then, so my the next Paka 5 point is around the same exact topic, but more in the perspective of fantasy football. So these are players who probably are serviceable for their respective real-life football teams, but in fantasy, I don't think they have a place. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I'll go quickly. Kendall Wright, he's currently 68th among wide receivers. Uh, enough said. I have no idea why he's still rostered in any league. Uh, Antonio Gates, and I do not believe irrespective of what Gates has done in the last few weeks, that he's a serviceable tight end. I mean, if Henry was not injured, Gates would basically be getting fed touchdowns of five yards or less just so that he can beat the record that he's so eagerly looking forward to. Mm -hmm. So to me, Gates is as short-term a rental as one can get. Uh, third one, and this one's probably, uh, you know, obviously going to get me uh, slapped somewhere is Russell Wilson. Uh, you know, Wilson right now, this year, is 18th in the league. Uh, and this is despite the fact that they've had little to no, uh, you know, running game prowess either. And I think a lot of this this year has to do with his injury. So that I admit, he's a great player. 
otherwise. But to me, I would rather have Kirk Cousins. I would rather have Winston. Obviously, yeah. I would rather have uh, Carr than Wilson at this point of time. Interesting. Uh, That's an interesting name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then the fourth guy is Macklin. Again, a guy that kind of is a brand name commodity, but in terms of performance, uh, you know. So I was I was also noting this down. He's currently 55th. among wide receivers uh, narrowly ahead of Adam Humphries and Adam Thielen so so to me if that doesn't make someone drop Jeremy Macklin nothing will yeah. so uh, so to me Macklin is another guy that needs to rest yeah. and uh, and the last comment i have on my pakka five is a similar theme which is around coaches who need to get fired and there are two names <laughs> obvious names jeff fisher mike mccarthy jeff fisher basically promised the entire world thanks to hard knocks earlier this year that he's not going to go 8 and 8 this year i think he'll be lucky to get to 8 and 8 yeah. and mike mccarthy is singularly responsible for the packers not making the playoffs this year i think his play calling has been horrible last weekend we were together at vegas we watched much of the green bay game and you saw that someone like ty montgomery and i know this is personal bias coming out but ty montgomery had seven carries for 53 yards and later on mccarthy made this excuse that he was on a snap count I have no idea when someone has seven carries for 53 yards. You have Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. at your quarterback. How do you not score more against the Indianapolis Colts and then end up losing a, a game that you are favored in so badly? Yeah. So I think McCarthy McCarthy really sucks. We should he might be gone. Yeah. You might be gone. You know, in fact, have you heard you are the Vegas expert. Have you heard of this uh, bet that's going on in regards to the first coach that is likely to get fired? I believe it started with uh, uh, Chip Kelly being a favorite, and then moved to McCoy after San Diego lost a few games early this year, and then it has quickly rebounded onto Fisher and McCarthy as your overwhelming favorites this year. Yeah, I heard about that, and I, yeah, that's that's probably true with McCarthy. That's a good list you got. They're very powerful and exciting. Uh, I loved it. Good way to come get back on this show with the yeah. Pakka Five. Yeah, exciting, and uh, yeah, we should definitely uh, do this again next week. And uh, as you had mentioned earlier, I think one is uh, uh, something that is uh, still outstanding is for us to do this in person together. Yes, let's uh, let's keep the ball rolling and do a show soon. Uh, Sounds good, Darwin. Thanks, yeah. everyone. Thank you. That's it for now. Bye. Hey, hey, hey.